The scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Gabe. All right, would you please pray with me? <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you so much for this word that you give us, for these stories that we have been looking at over the last several weeks of how angels come and give these wonderful messages, uh, but messages that required the, the, the original audience, the, the original person, persons that they were being given to, uh, they required a response and they require a response from us still. So Lord, this morning, would you please help us uh, as we as we hear the message, and also as we consider our response in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to invite you. I didn't uh, get a chance to make slides for this week's sermon, so I invite you to have your Bible open because we're actually going to be looking at some of the verses. Uh, the bulletin has the scripture reading. If you're not familiar with the Bible, just grab the bulletin, uh, and that will help you. Uh, there, I think there's also Bibles in the pew in front of you. Um, so what we have been doing over the last several weeks is looking at uh, these stories where the angels appear to the different characters of around Jesus' birth. We looked at how the angel appeared to Mary, uh, Joseph, and today we're looking at the shepherds. Uh, and in each instance, the message that the angel delivers is a message that requires a response. Uh, so uh, Mary is given this message that says, hey, you're highly favored. By the way, you're going to have a baby. But the problem is that she is not uh, married. Uh, and so this creates a crisis. We looked at how this creates a crisis for her in her, in her day and age, all of the ramifications that would have come uh, from this announcement. And yet she, she says, may it be as the Lord has said, may it be as you have said to me, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to go with you in this journey. And what we see is that the crisis uh, leads to renewal. Uh, she writes the words of what we now call the Magnificat. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has done good things for me. Then we looked at Joseph, and we saw that Joseph similarly is in this position of, uh, of, of, of a crisis, right? Uh, culturally, socially, relationally, even religiously, everything was driving him as a righteous man to divorce this woman. That's what everybody would have expected of him. And yet an angel appears and says, 
uh, actually the path of righteousness is in the exact opposite direction that everybody expects you to take. The path of righteousness is to marry her, to adopt this little boy as your own. Uh, and he accepts that in an act of self-denial, uh, imitating the self-denial that his son and savior would display for us. Uh, The reality for us this morning, right, is that we are being given these stories. We're going to see the same dynamic at work here with the shepherds in a minute. A message is given and a, uh, a, a response is required. But the challenge that we have is that we get a lot of information, Uh, And so it's really easy for us when we hear a message, it's really easy for us to be in skim mode. Do you know how many emails the average person, average worker gets uh, in their inbox in a day? 121. I looked it up. That's according to Google. And Google doesn't lie, so it's got to be true, (laughs) right? Uh, uh, No, I I don't get 121. Thank heaven. But I get a lot. And, and, and so I don't know about you, but I'm, I, like, I pay money for services that help me not deal with email, right? Uh, then you've got social media, and you've got books or videos that you read. You've got the news, conversations, uh, all the different feeds. You just think of all of the information that is, that is coming at you on a day-to-day basis. And so we... We've, we've had to train ourselves, haven't we, right, to skim. Uh, we've had to train ourselves to just kind of gloss over information. And so when important messages come to us, it can be really easy for us to not pay attention. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're like, shepherds and angels, I know this story. I've heard it before, right? And so it can be really easy to just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what happens here. Uh, I'm going to tune it out. Or maybe you're here and you're like, oh, these Christians, right, and there are these fanciful stories of angels, uh, and so it can be really easy to tune it out. And I was going to ask you this morning, don't tune it out. Resist the temptation to skim, but actually join me as we look at the story. And here's the question for you kids and the question for you adults that I want you to consider. This is the question we're going to be considering together. How are we responding to the message of Christmas? How are we responding to the message of, the, of Christmas? The shepherds are going to be our guides. Uh, so what we're going to see first is that the shepherds had to receive this message. And then secondly, we're going to see that they had to respond to the message. Right? They receive it and they had to respond to it. So let's look first at receiving. Uh, so what we're told, if you, if you have a Bible open, you can see that, uh, that Luke 2 verses 1 to 7, Jesus has been born. Uh, so we're at the point now where we're past the, the birth narrative. Mary and Joseph have, have faithfully followed. They've gone to Bethlehem. Uh, Jesus has been born in, you know, they go to, to what we, we you know, you, you've got this image of an inn and a stable. Probably not what happened, actually. It's probably more of a guest house. And there was these two-story homes that they were built, and, and the animals were kept on the first floor. And more than likely, scholars now think that that's actually what was going on. Sorry to destroy your scenes of nativities. You can keep your nativities. They're beautiful. Um, so, so you shift scenes, and then all of a sudden, we are in a field. Uh, and it's, it's nighttime, 
right? So, so you can imagine like the, the noises and the sounds, right? You've got these shepherds, it's cold. So they probably have, you know, wool, wool jackets on and, and they're hearing the bleeding of the sheep uh, in, the, in the middle of the night. Maybe the wind is rustling. Maybe you hear the crackling of a fire. You've got the aroma of, of, the, of the smoke coming from the fire. You can imagine, right? It's just, it's another long day of shepherding. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel appears. And the angel says what angels say every time that they appear, don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Right? Uh, and then the angel proceeds to give a message. Now, here's the thing about shepherds, right? Depending on, uh, on, on the reading or research or study that you do, there, there are questions about uh, how much respect shepherds had at this particular period of time. We know that prior to this period of time, what we call the second temple period, uh, that, that shepherds were highly regarded in ancient Israel. Um, uh, you know, Israel's greatest king had been a shepherd himself, King David. Uh, we know that after this period of time, as time progressed, we know that shepherds actually fell out of favor and they were seen as just kind of like the riffraff. Um, it's unclear where we are in this particular moment in history. It's unclear how the average Israelite would have regarded a shepherd. But what we do know, what everybody agrees on, is that shepherds were your common, everyday type of person. Right? They, they, were, they, were, they were not, by any stretch of the imagination, the elite. And so what, what everyone seems to agree on, every kind of scholar that takes the Bible seriously and they begin to try to understand, like, what's the implication of this, is that the reason that the message, this message is given to shepherds is because this message is for everybody. This message is for you. It doesn't matter how your station is high or low. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. Your ethnicity, your none of these things matter. This message is for you. And what is the message? Do not be afraid. Don't freak out. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel says to them, listen, I'm, I'm giving you a, a, a prophetic word. Each word that is given about Jesus is significant, right? He is, we have said that he is the Savior. Uh, so, so understand for an Israelite, right, that would have been, okay, wait a minute. Like all of the, all of the, 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 the uh, sacrifices, right? Everything, everything that we had to go through in order to be able to come as people who recognize our own frailty, our own brokenness, our own sin, uh, all of that, this individual is going to take care of. The promises that God had made, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, uh, all of the promises that God had made, that there would one day come someone who would be with us as God, fulfilled in this person. That, that we would finally have our king again, because that's the implication of Lord. That we'll finally have our king again, this child. As so you'd imagine a shepherd, you're like, oh, 
what's going on? And so this prophetic word is really simple. Like, hey, you know that I'm being truthful. This is the sign. You're going to find the baby wrapped in cloth, and he's going to be in a manger. Now, I can guarantee you there are probably not a lot of babies born in Bethlehem the night that the shepherds got this vision. Uh, and I can guarantee you there, there are probably no babies other than Jesus that were in a manger. Right? And so when they find this child, that is proof that the vision is real. That's how the, actually the passage ends. The passage ends by saying they found everything just as they had been told. The prophecy was verified. That's the significance of Jesus being in a manger. Uh, now, the reality is that we have to, so the shepherds had to receive this message, right? They had, to, they had to actually believe that the message was for them. And that can be really hard for us today. There are many, many different reasons why we might be tempted to think that the message of Christmas is not for us. A uh, while back, I read a novel by Marilyn Robinson. Uh, the novel is called Home. Uh, and it is the story of a family in Iowa. But it's particularly the story of a young man named Jack. Jack is the son of a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he's got a brother and a sister. And Jack is, uh, you know, he is the black sheep of the family. Uh, Jack finds himself in all kinds of trouble. He's a thief. He's a drunk. Uh, he, he gets a girl pregnant. And this is all before he graduates from high school. So he leaves uh, and is not seen or heard from for 15 years. Uh, and the story home is set when Jack comes back uh, to visit his father who is getting ill, who's getting sick and getting older, and his sister. And throughout the novel, his sister Glory is trying through her actions and her words to get her brother to believe the fact that he is actually welcomed back home. But Jack cannot believe it. He will not receive it. Uh, and, and so as a result, uh, well, actually, no, I'm not going to tell you what happens because I'll ruin the novel for you. You need to read it. It is, uh, it is, it is a beautiful, but it is a, a gut-wrenching novel. Uh, and, and really, all four of the novels in that series are, are just like that. Uh, so there are maybe some of us here today that, that, um, that like Jack, uh, would say, man, there's no way that this message is for me. Like, that's just not. I know my past. I know what I've done. Uh, there's no way that this message can be for me. Others of us, maybe not like Jack. We look at Jack and we're like, dude, I'm not, I'm not messed up like that. That's not me. I don't need that message because I'm not a major failure. And there are many, many other reasons why we might be tempted in comparison to Jack or not uh, to be able to say, we might be tempted to say, well, no, that message is actually not for me. And see, that's the first thing that has to happen. Well, the first thing that has to happen is that we've got to come to a place where we recognize, no, this, this good news of great joy is actually something that I need to take seriously. That, w um, that, that, there's, that this message, this the good news of great joy is actually a message that is given for us. Because listen, if this is true, if this is true, it absolutely changes everything. If this is true, then, then everything else pales in comparison to the gravity of what the angels are telling the shepherds. 
So the shepherd, the first thing that we need is that we need to receive it. We actually need to believe that this message is worth looking into. Now, what ends up happening is that the shepherds go check it out. And that's our second point. They, they, they hear this message and they receive it as news for them. And then they respond. How do they respond? Well, if you've got your Bible open, I'll encourage you to, to follow along with me because we're going to go verse by verse here. Uh, the first thing that we see in verse 15 is that they go check it out. They go. They, they, they go investigate it for themselves. When the angels had left them. So remember what happens, right? The, the, uh, the angel comes and says this to them. Uh, and, and then uh, a multitude of angels. Uh, uh, so it's, you know, uh, a military. You remember the angels are messengers, but angels are also warriors. Uh, so a whole garrison, I don't know if it's a multi, I don't know, I don't know what the proper terminology would be, but we're told it's a heck of a lot of them, all right? They, these warriors show up and they begin to give honor and praise. Uh, so you can imagine being a shepherd just like the of this. And so they go, first thing they do is they go check it out. The angels had left them. They had gone into heaven. The shepherds said one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which God has told us about. Uh, so the very first thing is that we need to explore what this message is all about, right? They don't take it for granted. They just, they go, I want to find, they find the baby. They, they, they presumably, right, they tell Mary what they just saw. They tell Joseph what they just saw. We can only assume, right, that then Mary and Joseph said, well, actually, funny you should say let, let us tell you what we've been told about this child, right? They don't, they don't just sit back. The reality is that for some of us, right, we, we've grown up in Christianity, right? Maybe some of you, like, you don't remember a day when you didn't do church. Uh, and so it can be really easy to take stories like this for granted, it can be really easy to be like, oh, yeah, shepherds, angels, yes, I know. Uh, and, and, and as a result, by taking them for granted, we actually don't stop and actually consider what it is that we are being told. Some of us, right, we hear these stories and we think these are all fanciful fairy tales of, of people, you know, that were much more mystical. Uh, and, and, you know, we're Westerners now. We know better. Um, and so it, they, for whatever reason, right, we, we, we don't take the step of actually going deeper into it. This is why as a church, like, we, we have Bible studies, right, because we believe that the truth is in Scripture. Uh, and so if you're here and you're like, man, I'm, you know, whether, you're, whether you've grown up in the church and maybe you've begun to take some of these things for granted, or maybe you're, you're like checking this thing out and you're not sure what it is that you think. Regardless of where you are, right, by studying the scripture is the, a necessary step in being able to respond to the teaching of Jesus. So I invite you to join one of our Bible studies that are starting up. So that's the first thing that they do. They go and they check it out for themselves. The second thing that they do, verse 17 tells us that they begin to talk about it. Uh, they, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. There's something really important 
to having spiritual conversations. There's something really important to the fact that we take these things and we begin to talk about it, right? Whether you talk about it in the context of a Bible study, for example, or you talk about it in a one-on-one conversation, whether your, your posture is, hey, I've got questions, and you're talking about it because you've got clarity, or maybe you're talking about it because you have You have conviction and you're wanting to share your conviction with other people. Regardless of the posture, right, there's an important step of actually having conversation and telling other people and talking about these things with other people. So that's the second thing. Uh, So they checked it out. They talked about it. The third thing that we see uh, in verse 18 is the response of wonder and amazement. Uh, What we're told in verse 18 is that all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, here's the thing about wonder and amazement, though. It's not faith. Wonder and amazement, probably, you know, for our day and age, probably a better way of thinking about this is that that people were really impressed by what they heard. It made them go, huh, interesting. Now, that's important, right? There's an important step of, of allowing the teaching of Scripture to make us stop in our tracks and acknowledge that this is, something out of the ordinary, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we've made the step into a position of faith. Responding to the message of Christmas, responding to the message that Jesus is the promised Savior, that Jesus is the King, that Jesus is the one who, who, who's going to solve the problem of evil in our world. You, you've, we've got to explore it for ourselves. We've, we've got to have conversation around it. We have to let it stop us in our tracks. But if we stop there, I don't think we've made the step into faith. We've not made the step into discipleship. We've not made the step into following Jesus. Because there are lots of people, we're told, throughout the Gospels, there are lots of people that they saw the things that Jesus did, and it's like, man, that's super cool, and then they walked away. Mary helps us see what the next step of responding to Jesus is all about. The path that takes us on the journey of discipleship. Verse 19 tells us that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Once again, we see that Mary really is a very important mother in the faith for us. What Mary is doing, what she is, what we, what, uh, what the, the significance of what's happening here is that Mary is taking all of these different things that are going on and she is, she is storing them in her heart. She's letting them sink down into the core of who she is. She's taking these things, she's, she's thinking about them, she's pondering them, she's mulling them over. You, you know, right, the different things. If you've read the story of the nativity, if you've read all these different stories around Jesus' birth, you know lots of interesting things were going on, right? Uh, you know, right, she went to Elizabeth. Elizabeth would have, would, you know, uh, Zachariah was not talking, and all of a sudden Elizabeth was pregnant, right? Uh, an angel came to Mary. An angel came to Joseph, right? All of these things start going on. Even after, we'll look at this in a couple of weeks, even after Jesus was born, people were coming to Mary and saying really strange things. And what we're told is that Mary took these things and she internalized them. They began to shape the way that she was thinking. 
And I think this is the path that we need to take. Where we take the things that we've been exploring, the things that we've been talking about, the things that, that have impressed us, and we begin to say, okay, I, I need to like, this needs to then shape how I live. And that's what, that's, Jesus is the one that does that work, right? This is not about like, hey, you've got to make this. Like, no, no, no. This is, this is this good news of great joy. This gospel news is that Jesus is the one that takes his word and his word just begins to like, just begins to mess with your heart, right? If you follow Jesus for any period of time, you, you've probably had that experience where you're reading scripture, you're studying scripture, you're engaging, you're having a conversation, and then all of a sudden it's like, huh, and this, this little light goes off, this little thing resonates, and all of a sudden you begin to see things in a different, different life. And this is the beginning of the journey of following Jesus. And then the last step that we see uh, is in verse 20. The angel, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When we hear this message, when we let this message penetrate who we are, it will lead to joy. If it's not doing that, the problem is not the message. <laughs> if it's not doing that, then what I would say is like, hey, let's walk together and let's go back to the beginning and let's explore the scripture together and let's have conversation about the scripture together. Let it impress you. Take it and, and, and have it go deep into your heart one of, the, one of the dynamics of the church, and I'm not just talking harbor here, I'm talking about one of the realities of the church in the West right now is that we take this message for granted. We assume it to be true. We don't do the work of letting it shape us and form us. And as a result, our faith is anemic. The witness of the church is anemic. You hear Aaron talking about fasting, and I like I've got I've I I personally know two, three, four other people that I could have asked who've had similar experiences. And those are just the ones that I know about. The gospel is alive and well. And so when we when we hear the message of what Jesus has done, like guys. The God of heaven and earth became a baby in order to be your king, in order to save you, in order to, in order to make everything right. If that's not true, we are a bunch of fools. But if it's true, and I believe that it is, I think many of you believe that it is, if it's true, it changes everything. And if it changes everything, then our response to that message matters. And so my question is, like, how are you responding to the message of Christmas? 
Now, I realize I can ask that question, and you can hear it as, in, as a it is all up to me kind of response. It's up to me. To, I, don't, I don't believe that. But your response actually does matter. This Christmas, one more Sunday before Christmas Eve. Actually, no, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. This, this week, I'm, I'm inviting you to, to, to take the time to consider who Jesus is. You might be convinced, like, man, I've already done all this. Do it again. Do it again. Because every time we go back to Scripture, God reveals himself to us in new ways. And as he reveals himself to you in new ways, even in this story, like even this week, as I was, I've preached this sermon, I've preached, not this sermon, I've preached on this passage three times. And even this week as I was reading and I was like, oh, my goodness, I never saw this before. This is amazing. That's how alive God's word is. And so he is, so here's the question, right? How are you responding to the message of Christmas? Are we like the shepherds? Are we like Mary going to respond in such a way that leads us to deep reflection, that we're being changed by it, and to worship? Or will we just say, oh, that's interesting, and move along with our way? Let's pray. Gracious God, um, we thank you so much for sending your son. We thank you uh, for these announcements that we get to meditate on and reflect on that show us the sheer wonder and magnitude. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for, uh, for the shepherds and for Mary, for Joseph, these examples that you give us of what faith looks like, of what trusting in you looks like. Lord, uh, you have shown us examples that are hard because we recognize that following you at times is not easy. And yet, uh, Lord, we see a deep faith. We see a joy. We see worship. Uh, and we want that. We want to experience that. So please help us, Lord, uh, as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.